0: Sometimes we can all fall into the trap of thinking that our sin is not serious. We feel ourselves that it's a small issue that we can just ignore or overlook or we can control. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't always understand why God is so against the sin in our life. In many people's eyes, his response to sin, like with Adam and Eve in in the previous chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, it seems so over the top. Surely sin is not that much of a problem. Why is God so against it? But we need to learn that we just can't ignore sin and just hope it goes away. If we don't confront it, Through confession and repentance, that it will not only destroy our lives, but it will also destroy the lives of those around us. And that's the tragic lesson from the life of Cain. We started looking at his life last week just at the very start of Genesis chapter 4. But we're going to look at the rest of it, but we're going to start from the the start of chapter 4, just so you get the connection, just in case you missed it last week. So Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 1 down to verse 16. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering he did not look with favour. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Last week we saw that Abel's offering of a firstborn lamb was accepted by God, whereas Cain's offering from the fruit of his soil was not. And we learn the reason why one was accepted and the other was not. Because in the book of Hebrews it says, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. Abel's offering was acceptable to God because he was expressing his dependence on, his commitment to, his trust in God. But Cain's offering was unacceptable. Because although he was involved in religious activity, his heart wasn't right. He wasn't trusting in God. He hadn't put his faith in God. And from this we learned that it's possible to be religious, but not to be righteous. We can go through the motions of Christianity. We can come to church, pray, sing all the songs and all of that stuff. We can even get involved in ministry. But if we don't have faith, real genuine trust in Christ, like Cain, we will remain unrighteous. So it's all about whether we have faith or not in Christ. So that's what we were looking at last week. But this morning I want to see that if we don't address this issue, then sooner or later it will have a devastating impact on us and also in our relationship with others. It's like a a downward spiral that Cain goes down. The downward spiral of the unrighteous. First of all, verse 5, with Cain there was anger. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. In, instead of genuine sorrow and deep repentance because he had wronged God, Cain was overcome with that raging bitterness, a self-centred pity. And I think many of us have been there. Can you remember sometime that someone confronted you? Challenged you about an attitude, maybe sought to correct your behaviour, or just came alongside and tried to help you to overcome an issue in your life. When that happens, often our first impact, our first instinct, sorry, is to just lash out in anger. How dare you talk to me like that? Who are you to tell me what to do? I don't have a problem. It's you that has the problem. But when we respond like that in anger and let it just take root in our lives, then it always messes up our lives. It always leads to disaster. This is what James says in his letter, James chapter 1, verse 19. He says this, Everyone... Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Whenever we're confronted with our sin, Whenever somebody tries to correct us or come alongside us and help us to overcome some struggle in our life, we mustn't just jump to defend ourselves as a first instinct. Instead, we need to be willing to keep quiet and listen. Because maybe that person is saying exactly what we need to hear. Maybe they are the ones who will save us from going down that spiral to disaster. So important. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But Cain did not do that. He wouldn't listen. He wouldn't learn. That's why God said to him, verse 6, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast if you do what is right? Will you not be accepted? Cain was so angry because instead of remorse for his wrongdoing, Cain felt that he had been the one who had been wronged. Because he thought that God had treated him unfairly. He believed that God had showed favoritism to Abel and his offering and accepting him. And he'd got that God had been unjust towards him. I think often people have that complaint when they're confronted with their sin. That's not fair. God doesn't have the right to treat me like this. Why is God focusing on my sin? There are others who are much worse than me. So why is my sin such a problem? I'm not really that bad. The Bible is clear that God does not show favoritism. God is not prejudiced or biased. God is completely just in his dealings with humanity. He is fair in his judgments. So his different responses to Cain and to Abel were simply because of the difference in their hearts. If Cain repented of his sin and did what was right like Abel had done because of his faith in God, then he would have been accepted. The wrong was not God's, but Cain's. But Cain refused to accept this. And so God gave him a warning in verse 7. A very serious warning. He said, but if you, do what is, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. The issue in Cain's life was not small or insignificant, it wasn't something that Cain could just safely ignore. Or minimise. God pictured Cain's sinful attitude like a wild animal. That was just crouching at the entrance of his life. Ready to pounce. And just devastate him. And that's why God urged Cain to take control over his attitudes and desires. And to rule them because if he didn't his desire would ultimately rule him and destroy him sin is crouching at your door and this is unfortunately what happened with Cain Cain didn't repent he didn't turn away from that attitude he didn't come to God and desperately ask for for forgiveness Instead he orchestrated an opportunity to get to be alone with his brother and then Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And when you think about it this is absolutely shocking. These were the very first two human beings born in this world. And one Murdered the other. He gave in to his anger and his jealousy. He refused to face up to his wrong attitudes and his actions. He failed to submit to God's plan and purpose in his life. And as a result, he just ripped his family apart. And even when he was confronted by God... There was a complete denial of his responsibility. God asked him, where is your brother Abel? Again, God inviting confession, because of course God knew exactly what had happened. But Cain not only protested his innocence, but he angrily rejected or objected to the question, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Now, of course, God didn't hold Cain responsible to look after his brother constantly. But he did hold Cain responsible for his actions against his brother. And God had seen it all, and he said this, Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. But still, Cain refused to repent even when God spelled out the consequences of his actions in terms of the fact that he would struggle, that he would experience complete barrenness and separation from his family, Cain replied with this, verse 13. My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land. I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. (coughs) Now, in his grace, God intervened in this situation so that Cain would not be attacked, so that Cain would not be killed. This was God protecting Cain, but also God protecting his purpose and his plan in order to expand the human population and fill the earth. But throughout it, do you see what Cain is worried about? Do you see what Cain is focused on? He's not concerned with the fact that he took his brother's life. He's not upset that he's broken his parents' heart. He's not crushed that he has sinned against God, his creator. The only thing that Cain is worried about is how this is going to affect him. My punishment is more than I can bear. Sin had been crouching at Cain's door. But because he refused to repent, it devoured him. It took root in his heart. It filled him with anger and bitterness. It led him to do do the most horrendous thing imaginable. It separated him from his family, from his community. It filled his heart with fear of what other people would think or do or say. It trapped him in a prison of self-centeredness. And ultimately, it further distanced him from God. Cain went out from the Lord's presence, lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Sin took him further and further and further from Eden. Further from communion with God. And this is the lesson from Cain's life that we need to face up to. This is a warning. A big red flag on the danger of sin. Sin is not a minor issue. Sin is not an insignificant little bad habit. Sin is not a trivial matter. Every sin in our life is a deadly, serious issue. We mustn't minimise it. We mustn't underestimate the impact of it. Because if we don't confront it, if we don't deal with it, then it will take us on that devastating downward spiral that will impact our emotions and our stability. It will control our thinking. It will lead us to horrible behaviour. It will hurt those who are closest to us. It will alienate us from our community. It will destroy our productivity. It will leave us trapped in resentment and selfishness. And most seriously of all, it will separate us eternally from God. Do not be deceived. is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. So this morning folks, if we are here this morning, And we know that there's a sin in our life that we've allowed to remain there. That we haven't faced up to yet. That we've just tried to ignore. That we've just tried to kind of palm off as no big deal. If we've been trying to delude ourselves that we can control it, that it won't control us. If there's something that we've allowed to remain in our lives, then we need to deal with it today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Don't think that you can deal with it on your own. Instead we need to confess it. And repent of it. Give it to God. And ask him for his forgiveness. And his grace. Sin is serious. We need to deal with it today. But this incident doesn't just show us the downward spiral of the unrighteous. There's another side to this story. We've looked at it from Cain's perspective. So what about from Abel's perspective? Well, that shows the difficulty of those who are righteous in this world. Hebrews 11 says this. By faith, about Abel, By faith, Abel was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. Abel was a genuine man of faith in God. As a result, not only was his offering of a little lamb accepted by God, but he himself was declared to be righteous in God's sight. That's because the righteous will live by faith. It is faith. That leads us to be righteous in God's sight. So Abel, you could say, was the first person on this earth to be saved by faith. But what was Abel's experience as a righteous man in this fallen and sinful world? What was his life like? Well, the, the name Abel actually means... A breath or a vapour. And that kind of describes what his life was like. But it was cut short because he was attacked and killed by his unrighteous brother. So Abel, not only was the first person to be saved by faith, he's also the first person to be martyred for his faith in God. He was the first to suffer because he believed in God and followed him. The first, but of course not the last. Since that time, God's people have suffered again and again. Simply because of their faith in God. They've been criticized, ridiculed, marginalized, excluded, imprisoned, attacked, beaten, killed. And the Bible makes it absolutely clear that we should expect this in our lives too. Peter wrote in his first letter, Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. And then Paul, he told the young believers in the churches that he planted, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And he wrote to Timothy that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone. So folks, this is what was part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus today. If we are children of God through our faith in Jesus and we're living out our life as God has called us to, then we will face some sort of persecution in some sort of another. It may not be physical, it may not be physically being attacked, but in some way we will suffer for our faith in Christ. In this fallen and sinful world, suffering is part of what it means to be a Christian. And One of the reasons why that is the case is because this is what Jesus experienced. So Peter says this, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We are called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And that means being attacked by this world for our faith. So don't be surprised if it happens. Don't be shocked as if something has gone wrong. Or if somehow God hasn't kept up his part of the deal because he told us that he would protect us. That's not the case. In this world you will have trouble. But Abel's experience doesn't only teach us to expect this suffering. It also reminds us that our suffering doesn't go unnoticed. Cain, he tried to hide his crime against his brother. But God saw it. And God told Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And in his perfect time, God responded to that. God judged that. God condemned the guilty. And although often we will suffer unjustly in this world, and we will not see justice, and we cannot take matters into our own, ha- our own hands and demand justice, but we can rest in the wonderful truth that one day God will judge the guilty. This is why Jesus refused, refused to retaliate when against those who so unjustly accused and attacked him. It says this again, one Peter chapter two, when they hurled their insults at him, Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges. and we can do the same like Abel we can rest in the fact that our God sees our suffering and he hears our cries and he cares about our pain and in his perfect time he will step in and bring perfect justice for his people but there's so much more than that we're here this morning to celebrate that God has done something far more than just bringing judgment on this world. There's a verse in Hebrews chapter 12. says this. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and then this little bit, and to the sprinkled blood, That speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The suffering of Abel here at the hands of his brother points forward to the greater suffering of Jesus at the hands of his creation. Why is it greater? Why is it a better word? Well, of course, Abel was an unwilling victim of this crime, but in his love, Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. No one takes it from me, Jesus said, but I lay it down of my own accord. so this is not just the this is, Jesus is not a victim of a crime as As Abel was. Jesus is a willing sacrifice. But when Abel's innocent blood was shed, it cried out to God. It cried out for justice. But when Jesus' blood was shed, Jesus cried out for mercy. For those who were crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. When Abel's blood was shed, it exposed the true wretchedness of Cain. But when Jesus' blood was shed, it covered our guilt. Because the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. So this passage doesn't only warn us about the danger of that downward spiral of the unrighteous. Nor does it only tell us about the difficulty of those who are righteous living in this world. It points forward to Jesus. For Christ died for sins. Once for all. The righteous For the unrighteous. To bring you to God. The sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than Abel Speaks of his willing sacrifice. His mercy and forgiveness. And his blood that covers us and purifies us from every sin. So these are the three little lessons from this passage. First of all, warning us of the seriousness of sin. It's crouching at the door of our lives. and We must listen to God as he speaks to us through his word and through his people and repent of it before it devastates our lives. Secondly, it reminds us about the reality of the suffering of God's people. We need to be ready for the accusations and the attacks that will come because we are following Jesus. Because that's part and parcel of everyone who's going to follow Jesus in this fallen and sinful world. But thirdly, we can rejoice in our wonderful Saviour. That sin does not need to have the final say in our lives. Because Jesus loved us. And He gave Himself for us to bring us forgiveness. Freedom and a wonderful future in the presence of our heavenly.